When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. John Winning, welcome to The Mentor, mate. I think last time we did a show together was probably the Uber Pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty a fun cool. one. It was a fun one. Um, and we, I haven't really, I've been keeping track of you, but uh, we haven't really done much since. And of course, appliances online, which I'm a customer of, is killing it. Yeah, they're going really well. The customers are loving it. We won uh, again for the second year in a row, and I can't even count how many years since it, since existence, but we won uh, Online Retailer of the Year uh, this year, last year, so the last two ones, and uh, Winning Appliances two years in a row has won Multi-Channel Retailer of the Year at the Online Retail Industry Awards, and obviously, you know, we've got a world-leading net promoter score. Well, it's, it's pretty interesting because, I mean, of course, the heritage of the winning um, – Kitchen appliances and laundry appliances, et cetera, goes back a long, long time. Yep. In fact, I remember. 1906, yeah. 1906. Well, I don't go back that far, but I do. Uh, it does go back that far, but I yeah. don't go back that far, fortunately. But I do remember, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, um, buying stuff from the business your dad ran, the one, the one in uh, the Winnings Appliances, like the yep. physical store, uh, for developments for my business partner, Bill Shipton, in those days. And uh, But somewhere along the line, and it'd be good for you to explain it, John Winning Jr., you, yep. um, and you probably were only like early 30s, I would have thought at the time, um, decided to put it to your old man that um, you're going to take this business online. Yeah, I was always actually about 20. So I was in doing door-to-door sales. I'll, I'll do a long story short. I was doing door-to-door sales out of school. I worked at Doyle's before that in year 12, which is the obviously local restaurant you and I both know. And... Thought I'd apply for a marketing job. Marketing became door-to-door sales. Did that for a year. Loved it. Bit of a pyramid selling scheme kind of thing where, you know, you're selling a bunch of stuff, making a bunch of commission. And then from there, you build a team under you. So you sort of become your own recruiter. But it teaches you a lot about business, you know. It's like, okay, I can make this much myself and I've got this many hours in the day. But actually, if I hire someone, and it's a bit like teach a man to fish, teach a man to sell, then they go and start selling and you start making a commission off them. And then they can bring people in and then they start making a commission off them. But you've got to put the time in to train them and you end up with this big team. And all of a sudden, you're making, you know, $11 a sale on your own sales, but you might make 2 or $3 a sale on your team sales under you and a dollar a sale on the team under them, but you've got to kind of pay it up up as well. So it's uh, – Was that to go to Doyle's? No, this no. was just door to door for a company called the Cobra Group. We used to sell Domino Pizza vouchers, Video Easy vouchers. Anyway, a year in, I got attacked by a dog, and I'd had a few close calls before that. I got mauled by a Doberman up in Newcastle, Whoa. living in a Formula One like, little motel thing, and uh, selling Video Easy vouchers. And my dad came to the hospital 
And he said, oh, do you really want to be doing this for the rest of your life? Like, why don't you just quit? And he got me at a weak point. I was actually really loving it. But I learned a lot of negotiating and selling skills and people skills and all that kind of thing. Um, so I quit. And then two days later, he said, oh, well, you don't have a job, so you've got to come work in the family business. I said, well, that wasn't really the deal. I want to, you know, sort of forge my own path. And he said, no, well, you can still go and get another job, but I don't want a son that doesn't work. So until you find another job, you're in the in the warehouse. So I was on the trolleys and I met a few of my old friends from the rugby club and, you know, growing up in sailing that were working in the warehouse, just in between jobs or doing their, doing their thing, earning some money. And we were just having some laughs and I was a young kid. I would have been 19 or something at the time. And then I said to dad, hey, I've got selling skills. Why don't I sell some of the appliances? I was just sort of itching to use my, my skill set again. And he let me work in the clearance division, which now I'd be known as homeclearance.com.au. But back then it was winning, uh, winnings clearance or something down out the back at Redfern. And basically you're selling the stuff with the dings, like a dings and scratches and so on and so forth. And I quickly went to the number one sales person in that store. Then I convinced him to let me sell at the Redfern new store. But then it quickly became uh, evident that, you know, the managers had been there 20 years. They weren't going anywhere. I was like, there was no real path for me. So at that point, I was probably 20 and I said to dad, um, why can't we just sell this stuff in a different way? Like, can I start my own business? And he said, yeah, well, you know, you've got to, he, he wanted me to be more patient. He said, you know, one day you can run this company, but you've got to put the time in. You know, it took me 20 years for take over for my dad. And I was sort of thinking, I don't want to wait 20 days. I want to, I want to get out there and, you know, make something of myself. So then I spoke to some friends and we had the idea of selling the stuff on eBay. I said, you got a warehouse full of stock. I can still work here, but on the side, I'll be on the laptop. I'll sell the stuff on eBay. And as we investigated that more, we decided, well, let's skip that route. eBay want to take too much of a commission. Um, we could just set up our own website, found a friend that could do that. And the rest is history. was loading the products myself, got a 1-300 number, diverted it to my mobile, answering that 24-7. And the sales started to take off. And, you know, I owe it all to... Um, Two things, probably one, you know, my dad instilling the the value of customer service and making sure you look after every single customer like they're your, own, they're your only customer. And he got that because he used to be a wholesaler. So he used to only have five customers when they went from wholesale to retail, you know, dealing with the likes of Harvey Norman and David Jones, et cetera. And then they went to having lots of customers. He, he was really anti it. And he said to the general manager at the time, John Murphy, he said, oh, I don't want to bloody do retail, you know. He goes, I can look after the five customers. If something goes wrong, they got my number, I got their number, they could call me. And then Murph sort of said, well, we've lost the distributorship for Simpson. It was at the time. And he said, I don't know what else we're going to do. We've got a warehouse. We've got, you know, we've got to fill it with product and we've got a whole bunch of trucks and utes. Like the only thing we can do is set up a little showroom in the side and become a retailer. And dad said, okay, well, if we're going to deal with the public, then we better bloody do a good job of it. Cause I don't want to be able to hold my, I want to be able to hold my head up high when someone says they're a customer of ours and there's going to be a lot more customers than we've currently got. So he just worked out a way to make sure that they look, treated every customer like they were their only customer. So we took that. I took my selling skills that I learned, negotiating skills, convinced our suppliers at the time. You know, and this is back in 2003, 2004, when, you know, really eBay was brand new. Amazon wasn't, you know, even known in Australia. It was existing in the US. In fact, I remember because Kerry Packer bought eBay out. Yeah. He, he owned eBay or he along with others owned the eBay distribution rights in Australia yeah. in 2002. Yeah, so super early. And I think the only other online retailer I could think of was Easy Buy, which is a sort of a Kiwi um, clothing company that had just come into, like went from catalogs to online quite early yeah. and they came to Australia. But otherwise you pretty much couldn't buy anything on the internet. This is pretty like, you know, even being able to buy a book in Australia on the internet and we're trying to sell fridges and washing machines. But for me it made logical sense. 
because I had customers coming into the showroom with catalogs from, you know, Harvey Norman or whoever it was and saying a uh, retrovision in those days and saying, oh, I want to buy this washing machine. And I think, well, if they can make a decision on a catalog that has one tiny little printed picture and four little bullet points and we can use a whole website to sell that same product and update it digitally and not have the printing costs, then it's got to make sense. So I just sort of looked at it logically versus no one's ever done it, it can't be done. And so we started and convinced the suppliers. Luckily, you know, we had an amazing relationship with all of our suppliers because that was important to dad and, you know, he always did right by them and they respected what we did for them. So they were willing to give us a go when they probably wouldn't have been willing to give a lot of other retailers a go um, because of that respect and partnership. You were one of the first, I don't know, but I think you might have been the first um, online for kitchen appliances, bathroom, laundry stuff. Would yeah, right? probably globally. I mean, like almost. Australia. Oh, in Australia, 100%. Yeah. yeah. In terms of customer satisfaction, um, I originally used appliance online because I knew you. The greater reason I use it, use you guys to buy something is because of the service. Take the old washing machine away. They'll take the other yeah. one out of the box, take the fucking cardboard box out of the joint yeah. and install it for me. And uh, then if something goes wrong, um, I can call them up and then someone will come out and repair it or at least give me a quote, et cetera. So yeah. it's sort of like that's customer service for me. People buy from people. They don't buy off a computer. You know, yeah, like yeah. The computer is just something that makes a transaction easy. If I'm transacting with you and you own a coffee shop, you know, I'm giving you money from my wallet and you're giving me coffee from your, you know, um, from your cafe. But the, really the computer just does a transaction. The computer in this case being the FPOS machine and the tap on the phone or the tap of the credit card as it is these days. You know, really that's what we see the website as. It's just still one human looking at another human in an eye when we do the delivery or when we're on the phone, one human talking to another human um, and making that transaction. The computer it just allows that to be um, easier and the fact that you don't have to get in your car and come to a physical store and, and it just takes a lot of time and friction out of the process. But there still has to be time and friction from that fridge going from our warehouse and getting into your house and you still expect that when you have a fridge in your house that it's going to be aligned nicely or if it's integrated that's going to have panels on the front and that it's going to have no you know, styrofoam on the inside and cardboard boxes gone out of your house and there's not you know bits of rubbish everywhere left and you know so we kind of lay down mats we don't scratch the floors we put it in we sweep up after ourselves we ask if there's anything else we can do and we just see that as a chance to build a relationship with a customer rather than how quick can i get in and out of this customer's house and get on to the next delivery therefore you must have pretty strict monitoring processes you must have pretty strict feedback processes from your customers and you must have pretty strict and regular training processes and, and i guess also recruitment and retention like there's a lot of shit going on there like that's a good question and I can answer each individually and I'll try and do it as quickly as possible. So we use Net Promoter School. We believe that that's the best customer satisfaction um, system that we've found, certainly at the time and haven't found one better yet and we're, we're locked into that. So that's if anyone's ever been asked, you know, how likely on a scale of zero to 10 are you to recommend this um, company to family or friends? And then basically anyone that's a zero to six out of 10. So it's an 11-point score because zero is included. Yep. So you got to remember that. So zero to six or seven of those 11 points we treat as negative. If you give us a six out of 10, we say that customer is unsatisfied. Seven and eight, we say you're passive. So um, it's been scientifically proven if you give us a seven or an eight and yet one of your friends says, hey, you bought off appliance online, you know, like what do you think of them? If you've given us a seven or eight, your likely response in future to people were, yeah, they're okay. You know, 
no good, no bad. Yeah, you know, I'd use them again, maybe, but I'd also look somewhere else, maybe. If you give us a nine or a ten, you'd say I'd recommend them. I put my name behind them, and that's where I'll be going shopping again. So we're always aiming for those nine or ten, and I think it's around ninety um, percent or eighty-six, eighty-seven percent of customers give us a nine or a ten out of eleven because it's a zero to zero to ten score uh, every time. And very few give us a zero to six, but every single customer that gives us a zero to six, we contact personally. We have a whole separate team that doesn't do any selling to customers. They're just called our customer experience team. Whereas our um, sales team or the, or the call center team that answer the uh, inbound calls are called our customer support team. But the customer experience team are just constantly going and um, calling every single customer that we let down. So as we get more customers, that team grows a lot. It used to be just my auntie Sally, who you might remember living across the road from. And she's grown that team into probably 12 people now as the company's grown. And they're constantly just putting out fires. They've got full authority to fix any issue. They can give a full refund to a customer, give them free product. They don't need any manager sign off. That that team's job is to make sure that customers are happy to assess that we've actually let that customer down and then do whatever they feel is necessary for that customer to be satisfied within any reasonable request. You try to win them back, yeah, basically. Yeah, and we and we do. Some of our most loyal customers are the ones that have had a bad experience. You know, They escalate to me all the time. So sometimes they'll say, look, the only thing that's going to calm this customer down is if you call them yourself. And I, I love that stuff. So I'll call the customer and obviously the first thing you do is apologize if you've done something wrong. And I say, I'm sorry, we've let you down. I'm terribly embarrassed. You've got my mobile numbers. I'm always calling them off my mobile. So it's my mobile number. Call me day or night. The only time my phone's off, off is if I'm asleep. And if not, I'll call you back and I'll give them other points of contact as well. So my assistant and other other people if they if they can't get me. And we just do everything. We're making our mission. We love fixing customer issues. And then in terms of the, you talk about training and recruitment. So we for recruitment, we've spent 10 years, our chief science officer has worked building a personality profiling model called Deep Sphere. We believe it's the best in the uh, best in the world by a country mile. And so we profile all of our team members and we find the, the superstars in each area and we work out which profiles fit which roles within our business. So someone that um, is, is a rock star in finance or someone that's a rock star in customer experience can look completely different to someone that's a rock star in, in a winning appliances store or that uh, drives a delivery truck. And so then what we do is we fit that person. They'll come in for an interview and they'll kind of think they're applying for a role and we'll have a salary kind of expectation that they'll have. And then we give them a deep sphere test, which takes less than five minutes and we get a whole profile on them. And then we know what roles they'll be best for. So we might say, look, I know you think you're going to be a, you, you want to be a truck driver, but we think we've got another role within our business that's close enough to your area that's uh, actually completely different to what you thought you'd be doing. But we think it's more, more fitting of your skill set. And so we use that to help fit it's people. It's called Deep Sphere? Deep Sphere, yeah. It's been uh, – we just launched it a few months ago and like the banks and lawyers and people like, – everyone's going nuts over it, consultants – We've uh, started signing clients. I was actually going to send you a link to the survey yeah. last night, and I think you'll you'll be quite. I'm seeing about it myself now for my own business. You'll be oh, trust me when you see it, you'll be like, wow. Okay, and it's I'm, only five minutes. It's, it's a it's a. That's five the minute. strength of it. It's yeah. less than a five minute survey, and what you get out of it, I could tell you, you know what watch brands you'd like to buy, what car brands you'd like to buy, what appliance brands you'd like to buy, 
who your best partner in a relationship is likely to be from a personality makeup, That's what your best friends are likely to, to look like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to create off, a dating app out of it at some point. But is this off AI? Is it off machine learning? Is uh, it- we use some machine learning in yep. processing um, in processing of the information and the data, yep. but it's based off neuroscience. Uh, so Katarina Kuhn is a neuroscientist that works in our business as chief science officer. Both her parents were psychologists and psychiatrists, one each, and so she spent her whole life growing up. She's German from Munich and basically she spent her whole life basically breaking the rules and instead of being disciplined like all her friends like I think she said at one point she like drank alcohol as a young kid you know as as a minor when a kid and she got quite sick or whatever and parents found her vomiting or whatever the story might have been and you know she's like oh I just hope I get disciplined and grounded and they sat her down they go Tell us why you did this, you know, like <laughs> what were you feeling when you made this decision? And she's like, why can't I just get grounded like, like everyone my else. friends? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. she spent her whole life learning like why the why's behind everything and the behavior and and starting it, it became a passion. And I met her at a at a retail conference, must be over 10 years ago now in Melbourne. She was speaking and I said, I need to learn more in, about this girl's brain. And eventually she was able to convince her to come and work with me. We created products like Helix together, which is our um, team engagement platform for highly connected, high-performance teams that we use to measure our team engagement. Because if you've got a happy team, then you're more likely to have happy customers than you're more likely to have happy shareholders. So you've got to sort of understand it starts with the team first. If your team are unhappy, they're not going to make your customers happy. Totally. And so we had that. We started that platform while she was working on Deep Sphere in the background. And when while she was working on that, we were using a different system called the Limbic system. So we already had a system in place. But the Deep Sphere is like nothing you've ever seen before. That's hers, is it? Uh, yeah, so she's she created the product and uh, we're 50-50 partners in commercialising it. Oh, you guys, you own part of it? Yeah, yeah her and cool. I as a side business to uh, the winning group. And she also owns a piece of the winning group as well, so yeah. Wow. We but- just started uh, recently a, a thing called the Partner Program at Work where some of our key team members can uh, actually now buy into what was a family business for over 100 years. Are you offering them synthetic interest or are they actually getting a real equity interest? No, they get actual equity interest, yeah. yeah. They can buy in. Yeah, they can use salary sacrifice and buy actual shares or they can give cash up front and buy actual shares at a current value that we do once a year. And that gets everybody on the same page. I love that. Correct, yeah. And we, we sort of – and we use it as a, as a bit of a carrot to work towards. So, you know, if you show that you uh, adhere to our values, that you're liked by the team, that you're uh, hardworking, that you're uh, loyal and that you show all the aspects of – sort of what one of our sort of star team members looks like, then you basically get inducted into the partner program. You don't have to buy shares. There's a lot of other perks that go with it as well. You know, like they get to reshape a lot of the the way the company's direction goes, whether they choose to buy shares or not. So someone might say, look, I don't, I don't want to buy in, but being a partner allows them access to meetings and uh, sort of weekends away or strat- strategic uh, thing uh, conferences or get-togethers where we say, where do we want to take this business? Like you guys are the their core kind of say the rudder of the ship of the business and we get to do the fun stuff of uh, deciding what to do next, like the restaurant or humankind or all those things. And we also have Winning Academy, which is our internal university for training uh, our team up, doing sales training, negotiating training, conflict resolution, uh, management training, so on and so forth. We were doing sommelier courses the other day for people that work in our restaurants and uh, also for people that work in our 
stores. So it was funny. We had the restaurant people doing a sommelier course next to some of our product experts from our stores. And I was saying, why have we got the product experts here? And they say, oh, to sell a good wine, uh, wine storage preservation unit, you need to understand the wine that's preserved in it. And I said, fair enough. You convinced me. So they're all there drinking wine during the day so they can sell, uh, better advise people as to what's the best preservation unit for their, for their wine or wine fridges. You and I would probably know it. You, you've been doing this for a long time, appliance online at least. And 20 years, yeah. uh, over 20 years now, yeah. And you sort of probably had a, even though you're, you're a fairly young bloke, but you you're, you got it in a good spot. Yeah. Uh, the business is going well and, uh, you know, it's well well known in Australia. It's probably the leader in online sales in Australia. Um, where to from now? What, what's John winning? What's Homer going to do from here? Well, I think you sort of look at that sort of uh, pyramid of uh, – it's got like health, security, food, whatever, you know, it's sort of, I know I can put food on the table. I know I can pay my rent. I know my family's safe and at the moment. My health is good. So I sort of look up to more philosophical things and um, I'm not one that looks for like status and ego, although maybe subconsciously I am without knowing it, but I, I don't consciously think that that's, that's why I'm doing it. But I, I do things that like feel good to me. So now we started a new brand called Andu, Feel Good is the tagline. We're trying to make uh, as part of that mission of that that business is a part of it. We want to make the winning group a B Corp. So we've hired a chief sustainability officer and corporate social ethical responsibility officer. Um, and basically we're really going over and above in looking at the products that we source, trying to work closely with our suppliers to make them be packaged better, ship them more efficiently, um, looking at how we recycle them, you know, looking at where we can, you know, reduce the amount of products that we sell by selling uh, more uh, sort of higher value items usually that will last longer. So the biggest impact we know we can have as a retailer is selling someone a washing machine that will last 20 years instead of four years. So where we can reduce the amount of sales that we have, we're looking to do that, where we can replace um, or repurpose a product for another use, uh, we look at doing that. Um, and then where we can reuse a product, we'll do that. And then recycle is kind of the last, the last R and the four R's of, of what we can do. And then when we recycle, we just did a trip recently with, um, with Alice, who's our chief sustainability officer and Mick Bunt, who's the head of logistics. We went over to Chicago to the retailer over there called apt, who I think is probably the best at, in class that I've seen globally at this. And looking at how far we can break down these products and, and how we can make sure that they're recycled as well as uh, as possible, ethical sourcing, obviously, and then doing things that are feel good, like humankind, like giving back and making sure that, you know, I know my dad doesn't want another dollar. He sort of gave me a, an amount of money that he always thought he'd, he'd like to retire on and we're able to get him that amount of money. And, you know, he deserves that. He worked, he worked his whole life to to get to the point and set me up in, in life and my sister up in life and looks after my mum and so on and so forth. So kind of got that out of the way so my family are covered and then I know I'm, I'm comfortable and even if I had nothing tomorrow, I'd just start again and, I'm, you know, with the negotiating and selling skills that I got, I'm confident I could do it again. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. 
Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. You just talk about humankind. What's that? Yeah, so Humankind is a not-for-profit summit that basically started from an idea that I had when I was with friends in San Francisco watching the Sale GP and I was DJing at a party for Silicon Valley mates and I was there playing with the uh, co-founder and CEO of Reddit, a guy by the name of Steve Huffman, and in the crowd was another friend of ours, uh, Matt Mullenweg, who's the founder and CEO of WordPress. Now, WordPress everyone's usually heard of, but what they don't realise is that WordPress actually hosts 60% of all the content on the internet and about 40, 40 to 42% of all websites on the internet are hosted on the WordPress platform. And now they have WooCommerce and a bunch of other things. Another we'll exciting thing. We we'll use it here. Exactly. Yeah. So he started that. And one of the um, more relevant things probably for us today is that the company has never had an office. It's been remote workforce globally from day one. So we set the whole thing up with going, well, I don't ever want to go to an office. And basically, so you solve that problem that everyone else had to solve overnight during COVID. Like, what do you mean everyone's got to go home? You know, he sort of already already had everyone at home. So it's, uh, you know, it was quite topical. And my other friend, Sophia Lee, who's a great marketer, she's, you know, helped blow up Elon Musk brand, Uber, TikTok on the internet. She had, she knows the ins and outs, worked with the Google guys closely. She sort of knows how the big guys go from, you know, nothing to something overnight really quickly. And she'd just come back from her trip from Australia with us where we were doing some work together and she sort of said to Matt and Steve, have you ever been to Australia? I think one of them had said, oh, I went years ago. It must be 20 years. And the other one said, no, I've never been. And she said, oh, you got to go, you know, John or Herman, as she calls me, Herman will, um, Herman will look after you. You do, do this, do that. And I was like, yeah, sure. Come. And there was no real reason. She said, well, why don't you go down there and like do a talk to his team or something? And, and then, you know, he can in, in return, take some time off and take you on a little trip up or down the coast or wherever you want, wherever you want to go. And they both, you know, obviously very well off and don't need any money or anything. And, you know, important connections and friendships are more important to people like that than anything else. And they said, sure, if you're willing as a local to take us around, like Steve was kind of a bit more like, I've got a lot going on right now. I don't know if I could get time away, but I'll let you know. And Matt said, sure, I work from anywhere. So why not? I'll come to Australia. And then I thought, well, you know, having someone such a heavy hitter like that is kind of, yeah, it's wasted on just using it with my team. You know, I want my team to be able to enjoy that, but I should be able to spread that person's knowledge. Getting a, you know, absolute heavy hitter rock star out of that's humble as hell out of Silicon Valley, getting him into into Sydney and having him only speak to a thousand people, I just thought was a waste. I said, if he's willing to talk, let's do something bigger and have the whole of Sydney be able to be inspired by someone like this, you know. It's all about sharing knowledge. And so then I thought, okay, well, I don't know a lot about running a conference, but I know a bit about music. I said, what if I incorporate some music and make it fun? So I rang uh, 
the godfather of one of my five godsons, uh, Seth Troxler, who's a you know was world's number one DJ at at a point in time. He's still for sure one of the best DJs in the world, uh, in many people's opinions. And um, I said to him, "Hey, if I put this thing on, I said I've got." I've got this idea of this thing that's like kind of work hard, play hard was the original kind of theme that we're thinking of it. You know, we're going to work in the day and play hard at night and have, you know, learning and TED talk vibes with music at night. And he said, Herman, if you're putting something on, I'm there. You just tell me when. And then I thought, okay, well, what could be next? And I thought, oh, imagine if we did some like wellness, you know, not just like stimulating yourself like from a business point of view and having fun and dancing your ass off at night. But like you got to look after your body and your health and stuff as well. And so I thought, okay, well, this will be the, like the holy trilogy for me, um, the holy trinity, trinity or whatever you call it. And I basically said, I'll call Wim Hof, you know, and if Wim says he's in, then I know I'm onto something. I called Wim and Wim said, yeah, if you're doing something in Sydney, I'm there. And I was like, right. Okay, now I've got Wim Hof, Matt Mullenweg and Seth Troxler, you know, arguably the top people without question, the top 0.1% of their fields of what they do. And then it just spanned from there and then we start. we rebranded from work hard, play hard to humankind because we wanted more of a feel-good kind of, you know, kindness community. It's about, you know, reshaping our collective future. You know, it's about uh, inspiration, learning and stimulation with a whole bunch of experiences on the side. Um, you know, we'll cover topics like science, technology, business, health, wellness, sustainability, um, probably a bunch of other things that I haven't met, mentioned. We're going to have NASA engineers that are building uh, artificial intelligence uh, sort of submarine aquatic robots that are uh, re-farming the Great Barrier Reef up at, near Magnetic Island. They're running some test trials and it's having a lot of great success. So they think they can, you know, have these little robotic AI submarines farming the coral reef back to life, starting with the Great Barrier Reef. We're going to have Dr. Diane McGrath, who's on the uh, one-way ticket to Mars with SpaceX. And she should almost have been going on her way to Mars by now, but it got postponed during COVID. And she she went through sort of 10 years of training for that program and she learned how to biohack her sleep to be able to live in a different environment and sleep in a different environment. She's now the go-to person for any astronaut going to space that they call her and say, hey, can you teach me how to how to sleep in space? And she did all of that. Um, John Bertrand, the winner of Australia two winner of the America's cup, first skipper ever to win it off America after a year. It's got a great Netflix series about him called the untold story. The race was that 1987? I can't remember. 1984. 84, then 87 was the defense in Perth. Yeah. And then he wasn't on there. Um, but, uh, one one of my sailing friends was on that. Warren Jones. Yeah. Over there. Warren Jones was, uh. Was the captain of the team or something like that? That was Bond. Yeah, that was I remember Bondi. Ian Murray was on the team. Yeah, Ian Murray I too. just started with Ian Murray down to Hobart and he's my coach in the 18 foot skiff. So, yeah, so John Bertrand will be there. He said, Oh, can I bring my friend Dr. Gemma King? She's a high performance coach for Red Bull and they're, they're extreme athletes. You know, for everyone from the Formula One drivers to the guy that jumped out of space and did the parachute and thing and all that kind of vibe. So she'll be there. We've got Reggie Watts. We've got Professor Scott Galloway. We're still talking to David Attenborough's team about possibly a live link from David Attenborough for it, but they don't make any decisions at the moment uh, more than four weeks out just to not make his schedule too busy. Um, yeah, so Wim Hof, two of Wim Hof's trainers, Matt Mullenweg, Seth Troxler, DJ Tennis, DJ Holographic, uh, lo- lots of global DJs, Guy Sebastian, Mickey. Uh, there's a new uh, a bunch of Australian bands that we're, we've brought on board. We've got some jazz bands. 
uh, comedians. A lot of people probably know the famous Australian comedian that lives in LA, Jim Jeffries. So he's a big name. We've got three other American comedians coming over. Then we've got Becky Lucas, an Australian comedian, uh, Vince Sorrenti, another Australian comedian. So there'll be a whole comedy night. We've got a um, magician coming out um, from South America who's incredible. He's probably one of the best magicians. Oh, my God, I love best magicians. magician that I've ever seen, yeah. So, But how, how will it work, though? So, And where's, where's it going to be at? It's going to be at Luna Park from yeah, the cool. 16th of March and in about seven weeks, 16th of March to the 18th of March. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So we're targeting a bunch of corporates, um, people that are visionary, curious, uh, bold and good is kind of our makeup of what we're saying. You know, if you fit that description, visionary, curious, bold or good. In terms of sponsorship. Is that no, in terms of attendees. Yep, yep. And um, in terms of sponsorships, yeah, corporates, we want them to buy packs for, for say, their undergrads or their grad, graduate programs or maybe even the, like everything from C-suite down. They might say, oh, look, I'm going to take, you know, my top 50 performers or my whole company or depending on the size of the business and what you're able to do, we'll take almost say, our whole company there. And so during the morning, it'll be sort of Thursday morning registration and then some basic basic uh, morning routines. There'll be acknowledgement of country done by AIM, which is a charity that we're doing it for. So that's where the proceeds go? That's where the proceeds yeah. go. 100% of the profits will go to AIM, 100% of the risk goes to me, basically. Yeah, so but yeah uh, we're very confident. We're, AIM, AIM is what? AIM is an Australian-founded charity. It used to stand for Australian Indigenous Mentoring Experience, but now that it's 20 years on, they're now just – go under the name of AIM because now we're, I say we, but I'm the chief fundraising officer and I'm heavily involved in it. We're now in 52 countries around the globe with all faces or places or people or races and we're welcoming to everyone. And it's a basically a charity that's looking to reduce the educational gap for marginalised um, people or people outside of the margins and also change the system that we work within uh, in terms of education specifically and the way that we think about how, um, you know, how we tell our own stories and how accepting we are of failure and they're just some examples. So if I give you a, a basic example, you know, you've got Harvard or MIT is 36 years old, but the Indigenous um, systems and thinking is 60,000 years of generational evolution old. And you take, you know, sort of the modern way of learning and it's a textbook and a professor, it's like, read this, here's these case studies, this is what I know and I'll pass my knowledge on to you. Whereas the Indigenous look at it as an aunt, what they call an auntie-uncle approach. It's like you want to learn the best off your and everything off your auntie and the best and everything off your uncle. And that can relate to brother, sister, mother, father, you know, however it means. But it just means sort of two unlikely sort of opposites and then make your own mind up and take your own and shape your own story based on what you know from what the you did. systems. Yeah. And we build artificial intelligence in, in-house as well. And when we look at our biological algorithms that we build and the way we train the brains for those, you actually take you know, in the same way as, you know, husband, wife or, uh, you know, female, male have, have a child. There's two genes go together and they take the str- you take the strongest of both genes usually and create the child and then it's like, oh, you're at the, the height of your father and the, the um, you know, compassion of your mother and the knowledge of you, in your mother's beautiful blue eyes and the, the knowledge of your mother over here and the knowledge of your father over there and whatever it might be. And generally the genes get stronger and that's, um, you know, how we have biological evolution. So same same idea and they've got 60,000 years worth of that evolution and, and the auntie-uncle system approach in Indigenous thinking but whereas in the modern uh, kind of era it's more I'm going to tell you 
about history. I'm going to tell you about religion. I'm going to tell you about geography. And there's not a lot of uh, room left for imagination and creativity in that system. So what we try and do is take unlikely connections of five and pair up anyone from, say, a a kid that could be, you know, five or six years old right through to high school with a professor on the other side of the globe with, uh, say, there's a kid in Africa with a professor in India with a regular civilian in Australia, with, say, a corporate CEO, very successful uh, business guy in New York, with an Indigenous person from, say, you know, an American tribe in in the US or something like that. And then we put those people together and then make an unlikely connection and they all mentor, mentee each other and learn off each other and then hopefully evolve a system from there. And they kind of what Jack would call a incy wincy spider it. And then you make more and more of these unlikely connections and then you start getting um, what you call more and more of these outlier kind of situations where you get the unlikely thinking and what the Aboriginals would call, you know, uh, they say that we're, we come from dream time, or, you know, and the spirits basically dreamt up the world and that's where we all came from and you'll have more chances of basically coming up with bigger dreams being solved and people believing that they can change their own story versus saying, oh, my father was the, I'm a perfect example, right? It's like my great-grandfather started the family business. My grandfather worked in the family business. My father worked in the family business and it sort of gets trained into you. Oh, you're going to work in the family business. Whereas where's the opportunity for, you know, me to go and kill cancer if that's, if that's my path and that's what is done. And I might want to work in the family business, but I might also want to say, Hey, Maybe I want to have my own story. Maybe I, I, I see that path here, but what about this path that's possible over here? And I'm now being mentored by these amazing people around the globe and, you know, the totally opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, one Indigenous person, one professor, one super successful business guy from a monetary success point of view. And then I get to start thinking about shaping, shaping my own and maybe I'm getting my imagination and my storytelling and dreams from the Indigenous person or maybe I'll learn some, something else from them and then maybe I'm getting my business knowledge and my selling skills from the, the business person and I'm getting my, you know, more recent education and science-based um, kind of knowledge from that professor and maybe I'm getting a lot of my inspiration and imagination um, from the child also that's in, in the group. If I was a regular civilian in that but, situation, but, but John is 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 your and that's what AIM does. That's what AIM Correct. aims to do. That's his yeah. objective. Um, and you're going to try and and the net proceeds are going to go to AIM. Yeah, and they're going to have a heavy involvement, and they're going to run. An are they going to be imagine- there? Yeah, they're yeah. going to run an AIM Imagination Factory there. And I don't know if you've heard of the Sleep No More concept in New York. It's an immersive theatre in New York. It's like being uh, world renowned one. You're basically quite world I've got to famous. say, yes, I've heard of it now. You said it's world-renowned, but you're going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you have heard of it? Or no? Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah, go on. So basically, um, I, sorry, you, look like you might not have heard of it. I was like, oh, I've had to talk it up. But no, it's an immersive theatre in New York. I've actually never been myself, but I've got lots of friends that have recommended for me to go. I know a lot about it through the stories that they've told me about it. We're going to create our own version of that. It's kind of good that I haven't been because then it might be a bit more original uh, than me just trying to, uh, cookie cut what they've done over there and basically it's a bit around um, breaking down the tall poppy syndrome in Australia 
And it's going to be for all what we call our VIKPs, our very important kind people at Humankind. And so uh, you'll be able to be uh, recommended or do a kindness pledge to get access to going to that immersive uh, theatre and have that experience, which about 20% of our guests and visitors should be able to go to. But you, you can't buy your way in. It'll be the kind of thing that you, you get in through kindness or, or being uh, nominated for an act of kindness. It sounds like you're nearly making an application to come, but how does someone get to go to come and enjoy this whole experience? Like- yeah, so you can, you can buy tickets. Um, that that particular one's kind of for what we're calling our VIKPs, which is, and we deliberately wanted to try and take the mon- monetary transaction out of it so everyone got an opportunity to come and we just say, be a good human and you can get get access. But um, for, the, for the humankind, it's www.humankind. Dot Sydney. I'm sure we can share the link on the on the podcast. Yep. You go there, you click up things at the top right or somewhere in the middle of the page will say buy tickets. You buy tickets there. Um, we use a ticketing platform called Human Ticks. Put your money in. All the profits of Human Ticks, 100% of profits of Human Ticks go to uh, children's charities. 100% of the profits of Humankind go to AIM. Um, so it's all feel-good vibes. Uh, are you doing this because – is John Winning doing this because – he wants to benefit AIM. What, what's the biggest driver? Is the net proceeds going to AIM or is, the, or is it the experience that Australians deserve based on those people you're able to tap by virtue of your life and your achievements? Um, which is the bigger driver? Probably it's a perfect example of going with the flow and doing what feels best. So it started with my friend just asking my other friends if they wanted to come to Sydney. And then their reaction of, yes, I'll come, was if I'd call, and it's a trickle effect, you know, almost a butterfly butterfly effect or whatever it might be, you know. And so basically what happened was Matt Mullenweg said, yes, I'll come to Sydney. At that point, the only thing I'd really committed to was taking him on a trip around somewhere cool in Australia. It could have been Byron Bay, Hamilton Island, Hobart, whatever it was. Um, And he would have spoken to my team, you know, and motivated my team for one of our leadership series, which we've had you there for uh, in the past. And then I thought this is just too much of an opportunity. So I made one phone call to Seth Troxer who said, who, you know, and again, if I hadn't been a, a great friend of Seth's and he hadn't been a great friend of mine and we had never made that connection or he didn't feel like, you know, he wanted to support something that I was doing and travel from the other side of the globe. He lives in Berlin, travel from Berlin to Sydney to come and do this thing for me for charity. Then if he'd said no, and I hadn't been that good human to him, then it would have fallen over there. But he said yes. I was like, okay, next step. Well, what about Wim? And if I hadn't sort of built that connection with Wim and gone and seen him in the Netherlands twice in his own home and had him, you know, spent the time to build a relationship and a connection with him. And this is where we talk about with AIM, like unlikely connections and forget AIM even for a second, look at at my own life. I build these unlikely connections, whether it's, you know, I'm not a sports person, but. Well, you are. You're a sailor. No, I'm a, yeah, so I'm a sailor. I, when I think of sport, I think of like physical sport and running or athletics or something. I used to be pretty good at athletics, but not much uh, good at the You don't mind the pads. Stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I haven't yeah. much with Jeff. Don't yeah, I see this. I'm friends with people like uh, Jeff Fennick. Uh, I was talking to Brian Fletcher on the way. And so Brian's going to now, he's just verbally agreed. And now he's on the podcast agreed. So that's now a contract that's uh, Fletcher on. Yeah, Fletcher on. And he's going to call Maddie Johns and try and put a panel together of like great Australian sports people. Uh, people like yourself, I called you up. And I just had this network. And all of a sudden that of people that went, oh, I believe in what this kid's doing and he usually does things pretty well, so I'm just going to get involved and I want to be along for the ride. And 
that just was one phone call after another, literally since I called you, which was months ago. Yeah. Yeah, would have been late last year. It was. And said, hey, would you would you be involved in this thing? I'm still making those phone calls now to, to people like Fletch. Like this, we just signed up Becky Lucas. We just signed up uh, Fletch, obviously. And it, like it's growing momentum from a speaker point of view by the day. And we're now, you know, at night I'm ringing friends and saying, hey, how about your company sponsoring friends of mine like Matt Hyder from Legacy Property Group? I call him up and say, look, it's basically a charitable donation. We sort of, um, but basically what we want to do is it's a movement of people and artists and talent that would otherwise get paid a fortune donating their time for our collective future to share with other people that are willing to give a little bit of money or if they can't afford it, then through the AIM mentoring program, there's an opportunity to get free tickets as well. So we're, we've got a thing called a, a philanthropic ticket um, where you basically pay double the price of your ticket and you gift uh, a ticket to someone outside of the margins cool. that wouldn't otherwise be able to afford to go. Ticket's exactly the same. But what we're going to do is with the ticket, so you say the regular band is black, you might have a, a black and gold uh, striped one, which gives you all the same um, sort of access. access and rights as the regular sort of uh, black band that you might wear. But the black and gold one means, oh, I also gifted one to someone else and the recipient will have the exact same black and gold one but with a number on it and you'll have a number. You won't know who gifted and who received. The two of you will because you'll know you paid the money and they'll know they got theirs for free. But anyone else will just see you and go, oh, that's so awesome. You've got uh, you've got one of the philanthropic tickets. But then throughout the festival, you can find this person with the same number as you. You're like, hey, what's your number? You bought my ticket. You know, thank you so much. And you create these unlikely connections that way as well. So that's pretty cool. There's a bunch of, yeah, we've got the Ferris Wheel of Fortune going on, which people can go in a bit like the Uber pitch thing, jump in the Ferris Wheel with a mentor like yourself or myself or whoever it might be. And basically, you know, five minute sort of spit, like go of the Ferris wheel to pitch an idea and just get some feedback on it. So that's so, a good idea. Yeah. So people that basically can go inside, watch someone like Reggie Watts, Professor Scott Galloway, Ronnie Khan, whoever it might be, and um, get inspired on something. And then, like these types of things would just spark ideas in people's minds. You'd be sitting there like, oh, what if I create this business and whatever? Then you can go outside, jump on the Ferris wheel of fortune, we're calling it sit with a mentor or someone that's, you know, been speaking or attending the conference or we've got a bunch of VCs even flying in from overseas, Silicon Valley, Chicago, um, Asia and, and all over. And you jump in there and, and a lot of local guys taking turns and basically say, hey, I just had this idea, what do you think of it? Get feedback on it or maybe it's an idea you've had for years and you, you've been looking for a way to get funding and you might be able to sit in there and go, hey, could you, through your network, have you got anyone you can connect me with or would you be interested in and hopefully uh, even raise some money for some of the great initiatives and ideas that you've got. And then we've got a music equivalent called the Ferris Wheel of Steel where you can play music as, as a young kid if you're made in your bedroom to one of your favourite DJs or a record label owner. And that'll be a nighttime initiative. And then at the other one we're doing the Deep Sphere dating app full-on beta trial where we're basically going to take everyone's profile before and then you'll line up. And you'll get a color and we'll match the colors together. And it'll just be like a colored dot, which will be our the, our way of signaling what your profile was um, to a degree. And then basically we'll match and connect people that will then find maybe one their new best friend or their new life partner or whatever it might be. It's sort of like everything, but it's also the way your brain thinks. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> like it's everything. And, uh, it and, is everything. And and for those people who don't know, you know. What, but to simplify it, it's it's a it's a bunch of people coming together, five thousand of the world's greatest minds that I could find or get access to, 
you know, fr- from an attendee point of view or a speaker point of view, put into one big melting pot to reshape our collective future or have a shot at, you know, we say our future's not yet set, but by putting great influential people together with amazing, curious and minds that are visionary thinking and willing to do something that's bold and good, then we think that, that we could really start igniting a, a fire that could spread an amazing positivity and um, and kind of have a ripple effect through the rest of the globe. I'm going to be there and uh, yeah. I can't wait for it. I'm really excited about it. John Winning, as usual, um, you buzz my brain. Uh, like I've, <laughs> I've been trying to keep up with you. You go a thousand miles an hour. But it's pretty cool and, and as usual, I really appreciate your time, mate. It's been awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Cheers, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.